I hope I haven't ruined the presence here today. Psalm 51. This is a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Your Bible says that. At the beginning of the passage, it reads in some form or fashion, and the scripture says in verse number one, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Behold, verse number six, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Verse number 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. Somebody say a right spirit. A right spirit within me, for thou desirest not sacrifice. Verse 16, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering, for the sacrifice of God are a broken spirit. We just sang about it. A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Can you say amen? amen? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the spirit and presence that we feel here today. God, I thank you, Lord, God, that you are here ministering among us in this place. And God, I invite us now to open our hearts Open our minds. Let he that hath an ear today hear what thus saith the Lord to the church. God, let your word do something new in us, God, that we could not do for ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord one more time today. You can be seated. God bless you. Every human being who has ever lived or who is living or whoever will live on the earth is a three-part being. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got three parts. Aha. We're all made up of three components, and those components, if you've been around Grace Point a while, you've heard me talk about this before, but those components are body, soul, and spirit. Our body, of course, is our flesh and our bone. It's our blood. It's, it's the part of us, our body, that will one day, should the Lord tarry, pass away and return to its original elements, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. Our soul, on the other hand, is the invisible part of us that is made up of our emotions, it's made up of our intellect. It's made up of our mind. It's made up of our senses. That, that, is our, that is our soul. Our soul, the Bible says, shall also pass away because it was Ezekiel who said, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. The third part of us that we're made up 
of, however, is our spirit. And our spirit is the part of us that was created to live eternally. Our spirit is the part of us that will live on forever, either in heaven or in hell. Our spirit is the part of us that can either be saved or it can be lost. And it's when we consider this that we begin to realize that while taking care of our physical bodies is important, you ought to do that, right? You ought to be careful about what you eat. You ought to make sure you get plenty of exercise. You ought to go to the doctor every now and then, right? And taking care of our mind and taking care of our senses and taking care of our emotions and taking care of all of those things are important. More than either of those, you and I should probably be most concerned about minding our spirit. Our spirit. Because whether or not we have the right spirit will determine some very important things in our lives. It's going to determine our victory or our defeat. A right spirit is going to determine your success or your failure. It's going to determine your anointing or your lack thereof. It's going to determine, to determine your salvation and ultimately our eternal destination. And so upon further review and reflection today, having a right spirit is of utmost importance to you and me. Can you say amen? In Genesis chapter 3, you read about the fall of humanity. There's a lot that happens to Adam and Eve in just 24 short verses there. They start out having a pretty solid daily relationship and commitment with God. They commune with God. But by the time you get through that chapter, the script has flipped. Sin has abounded and everything has changed. When they disobeyed God, something happened to them that altered their lives and the life of every human being yet to come. Adam and Eve went from being predominantly spiritually minded and being spiritually aware to being mostly aware of themselves. They went from focusing on God and God's relationship and all things spiritual to then all of a sudden focusing on human flesh, humanity, carnality, and everything that had to do with self. They went from mostly caring about eternal things to now caring more about the state of their humanity. They, they went from being God's perfect creation to now seeing things through a flawed human lens. From being spiritually minded to being self-minded. And their paradigm and focus shifted from God and his greatness to themselves and their own human condition. The Bible tells us that this shift caused Adam and Eve to flee the presence of God. When God came looking for them, the Bible says that Adam told the Lord that he was afraid. He began to point fingers and to play the blame game. It was Eve's fault and then it was the serpent's fault and, and Adam couldn't seem to get his story straightened out. What happened? It was a wrong spirit that had entered the equation. 
where where a right spirit had once dwelled, where a right attitude had once existed, when sin entered the picture, that right spirit quickly turned for the wrong. And when the wrong spirit showed up, it took their focus and attention away from God and put it squarely on themselves. Can I remind us here today that sin still causes the same reaction in our lives. When we allow our minds and our hearts to be diverted away from God and his word, when we allow sin and pride to creep into our lives, then our focus quickly goes from being on God to being on us. And when that happens, we run and we hide from God. When that happens, we get hurt and we get offended and we act in ways that we wouldn't normally act and, 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 and things. So, so from what, they go from what God, what can God do for me to, to, to what, what's, what, what can God do for my life? What, instead of what I can do for God, what can God do for me? And a right spirit can go wrong very quickly when we allow our focus to shift from the right things to the wrong thing. Mm. That's why God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and he said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I want you to listen today to the preacher. Don't allow yourself to get distracted from the things of God. Don't allow a wrong spirit to rob you of your blessing. Don't allow a wrong spirit to disrupt what God is trying to do in this hour. Don't let a wrong spirit cause you to run away from the presence of God. Lord, let me be caught up in you. Don't let me get caught up in me, but let me keep my eyes focused on you. Mmm. Bible says that Saul had been chosen by God to be the king of Israel. For a while, Saul did right by God. He led God's people into some great victories. God blessed him. But there came a time in Saul's life when he got distracted by the wrong things. He allowed a wrong spirit to settle up in his life. Saul, much like Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. God had told Saul to destroy the Amalekites and everything and everybody in their camp. And Saul disobeyed God and he spared the Amalekite king and and their livestock. God said, go destroy it. And Saul disobeyed the word of the Lord. And because of Saul's disobedience, God rejected him. And when that happened, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and his flesh took control. His flesh took control. His mind began to conjure up things. He he began to lose his grip on the things of God. And as a result, he began to blame everybody else for his misery. Which then led him to try to kill everybody that he thought was against him. He tried to kill Jonathan. He tried to kill David. He tried to kill the prophet of God. He actually did kill some of the priests. He even went as far as to seek out an evil spirit to try to get what he wanted. Saul was a man who was out of control. Why? Because Saul's focus had drifted away from God and he became more interested in what he wanted than what God wanted and a wrong spirit 
took up residence in his life. Mm. I want you to hear me today. If we allow our flesh, it'll steamroll you and me every time. Mm. If we allow sin and disobedience into our heart, then we'll start blaming everybody else for our problems. We'll start trying to tear down our brothers and our sisters. Some of us will even try to discredit and kill the prophet of God in our lives. But I've come to preach to you today that God will not tolerate the operation of evil amongst his people. No. God will not be pleased with a spirit that is enmity against his spirit. God desires a right spirit among you and I. He desires a right spirit within us. The Bible says David had been anointed king by God's prophet at a young age. Over the process of time, that anointing was fulfilled. David eventually became king of Israel. David was God's man. He was God's choice. He was the man after God's own heart. And yet there came a time where David found himself out of position with God. 2 Samuel chapter 11 records that it was a time when kings were supposed to be off to battle. Mm. But David had decided that he didn't want to be at battle. He wanted to be at home. And so he stayed home. He opted for his will and his desire rather than that of God's. And it was that fleshly decision that led David to a rooftop one night where he observes another man's wife. David then takes it further and inquires of the woman. And then he takes it even further than that by bringing her in to himself. And as a result of this fleshly rendezvous, if you will, a pregnancy comes about that ends in death. Because we understand that the wages of sin is always death. David's focus was not where it needed to be. His spirit was not in tune with what God wanted to do. He took his eyes off of God and he put his eyes where they didn't belong. And you can read the whole story. David's actions very quickly became less about God and more about himself. Mm. He had disobeyed the law of God and a wrong spirit got a hold of David. And when it did, it led him to a murder plot, which led him to try to cover it up, right? And it, it led him to try to cover it up, and he tried to hatch a plan to do that by bringing Bathsheba's husband home from war. And when that didn't work, David figured he would just have the husband murdered and make it look like an accident, make it look like an act of war. And it was in that moment that a wrong spirit begins to take hold in David. It's in that moment that David, the anointed king, becomes David, the adulterer. It's in that moment that David, the worshiper, becomes David, the murderer. It's in that moment that David, the psalmist, becomes David, the sinner. And because David had given his flesh an inch, it had taken a mile, and now he's left to clean up the mess. Oh, my friend, I got to tell you today, sin will still take you further than you ever wanted to go. 
I said sin will still take you further than you ever wanted to go. I got to tell you, a wrong spirit will make you do the things that you never thought you would do, and it'll leave you in a place that you never thought you would be. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What's Paul saying, Pastor? He's saying that there are some evil, destructive, and wrong spirits that are trying to establish place in our life. There are some evil things, there are some, there are some unnecessary destructive things that are trying to weave them their place into our homes and, and into our church and, and into our lives. And when we give place to the wrong spirit, they will destroy us and everybody that we love. That's why Paul would go on to say this. He would say, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, Brother Tierney, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, Brother Duvall, stand therefore. Praise God. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, uh, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always uh, with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Can I just tell you today that one of the best ways to overcome a wrong spirit in your life is to take Paul's advice and pray always. Yeah. When your flesh is rising up, pray. When people are talking about you, pray. When things don't seem to be going your way, pray. When you get offended, pray. When you get hurt, pray. When you don't know what else to do, pray. Why? Because prayer will always neutralize a wrong spirit and it'll pave the way for a right spirit to be in me. Somebody give God a praise. That's why we have prayer meeting around here. Oh, some of y'all didn't know we did that. Yeah, we have prayer meeting, right? We get into the prayer room before church and we, we, we get with God. We, we, do, we do that so that a right spirit can prevail within us. A right spirit comes through humble, sincere, honest transparency before God. And David was about to find this out because while David was feverishly trying to cover up his mess and while David was feverishly trying to cover up the tracks, God sent David grace in the form of a prophet. Oh, I want you to hear this. God sent David grace in the form of a preacher. Yeah, a prophet. A man of God, instead of embarrassing David, 
Instead of publicly humiliating David or making a spectacle of David, God sent David a man of God. Oh, thank God for a preacher in my life. Thank God for a preacher that will deliver the word of God whether I want to hear it or not. Thank God for a prophet that will give me a word whether I like what he says or not. Thank God for the grace that comes through the preacher. Thank God for the grace that comes through the prophet of God. Oh, a lot of folks don't want to hear that. A lot of folks don't want to entertain that idea, but you better hear me today. You cannot be saved without a preacher in your life. That's not my word. That's the Bible. You cannot be saved without a prophet of God. You cannot be saved without somebody giving you a word that says, thus saith the Lord. We, we don't like to hear that. People, people, people don't want to hear that. You, you better start thinking of the man of God differently in your life. Let me tell you something. We love you, but we're not just here to be your friend. Thank you for inviting us to the barbecue, but we're not just here to eat hamburgers and hot dogs with you and pat you on the back. Thank God that we have encouragement. Thank God that we can encourage you and that we can uplift you and that we can edify you and that we can equip you. But I've got to tell you, there comes a time when the man of God stands up and says, Thus saith the Lord, and you better open your heart and you better open your mind and you better find yourself with a right spirit. Oh God, help me to have a right spirit. Mm. I got to tell you, a wrong spirit says the word of the Lord is for somebody else. Yeah, some of you are sitting here today and you're saying, he ain't preaching to me. Oh, he ain't talking to me. You're looking around for somebody because you're saying, I hope they're hearing this. My God, I'm going to get her the tape. Do we still do tapes? Maybe not. I'm going to get her the CD. My God, she need no, 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 honey. You need to hear what thus saith the Lord. God, speak to me. Whenever the word of God goes forth, it isn't for my neighbor. It isn't for him. It isn't for her. It isn't for them. It's for me. Preacher, preach to me. God, speak to me. God, I want to be right. Oh, God, let it be for me. Let it minister to me. Let it reprove me. Let it correct me. Let it edify me. God, speak to me. Mm. Nathan was that man. He was the prophet in David's life. Nathan walked in and he began to rebuke in the form of a story. Oh, thank God for the stories. Yeah. Thank God for a loving way of communicating. Yeah. Yeah. He walked in and he told David of a man who had many lambs who had stolen his neighbor's only lamb. And I won't go through the whole story. You can read it. But then he asked David what should be done. 
Bible says David got incensed. He, he got angry. He, he, he demanded to know who this trespasser was, who this traveler was. He demanded to know who this despicable individual was for he will surely, he's going to put him to death. And the Bible says the man of God waved that old bony prophet finger in the air and he pointed it right at David and he said, David, you are that man. And in an instant, in a word from God, David's sin is exposed and his humanity is on display. The light is shed on the darkness and his wrong spirit has come to light. And in that moment, David has a choice to make. I said David has a choice to make. What's he going to do? Is he going to do what Adam had done? Is he going to run from God and hide from God? Is he going to do what Saul had done? Is he going to blame everybody else for his problem? Is he going to get angry? Is he going to try to take care of Nathan the way he took care of Uriah? I mean, what, what's he going to do? Does he run as hard as he can away from God? Or does he run as hard as he can to the house of God? Do I run as hard as I can to get away from God? Or do I run as hard as I can to an altar in a temple where I can lay myself before God and ask him to make me right? And I'm happy to report to you today that David chose the latter. Instead of running away from God, he ran toward God. He ran as fast as he could to the house of God. And he threw himself on the mercy seat. Uh, and he said, hey, have mercy on me, oh God. Mm. And the words in Psalm 51 are the words David's crying. He can't even see his way into the church and he's hucking and snotting and, and, he, and he gets down to the front uh, and he falls down and he says, have mercy upon me, oh God, according to thy loving kindness and according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, God, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I want you to notice that this is personal. David's not asking for God to wash the sins of his neighbor. He's not asking God to forgive his neighbor. No, he's not asking God to have mercy on them because they need it. He's not asking God to cleanse her because she's so rotten. No, he says, God have mercy upon me. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me. Cleanse me. I, my transgression, my sin is before thee. Behold, thou desired truth I, in the inward parts I, and in the hidden part. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. Oh, I wonder today, when was the last time we prayed a prayer like this? 
When was the last time that our conviction couldn't keep us from the house of God? I think there's far too many of us, Brother Tierney, you said it earlier, we're trying to run away from the presence of God because of what we've done and what we've said and who we are. And God's saying, if you would just run to me, if you would just run to my house, if you would just run to the sanctuary, if you would just run to an altar, I will meet you there. When was the last time you stopped trying to point out your neighbor's flaws and asked God to make you clean? When was the last time you broke yourself before the Lord and asked him to renew a right spirit, his spirit, in your life? You got to hear me today. I'm not trying to speak for anybody else in this room today. This message may not be for anybody else here but I got to tell you, as for me, I said, as for me, I'm not preaching the word of the Lord to you. I'm preaching the word of the Lord to me. As for me, today, I need to be renewed with a right spirit. I need to be renewed with the Holy Ghost in my life. I need to be renewed with a spirit that produces love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and long-suffering and faith and meekness and temperance. Because if I am Christ's, then I will crucify my flesh with its affection and with its lust. And if I live in the spirit, then let me also walk with that same right spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, I've simply come to tell you today and remind you, we need a right spirit within us. If we're ever going to be the church that God has called us to be, we need a right spirit within us. If we're ever going to be the husbands and the wives and the parents that God has called us to be, I need a right spirit within me. Oh, I'm closing today. Musicians can come. David went on to say it like this. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou you will not despise. What does that mean? It means that God is strangely attracted to brokenness. God is strangely attracted to my humility before him. That's why he gives grace to the humble. That's why when I abase myself before him, he can exalt me in due time. That's why I must decrease so that he can increase. And I don't know about you, but I want God to increase in my life. I want God to increase in this place today. But look at what he said in verse 19. Verse 19, he said, Then shall thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. Hmm. What, what, what does that mean? Another translation reads it this way. 
then God will only be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. Then God will only be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit. Today, you got to know that your sacrifice means nothing if it's not made in the right spirit. Mm. And the only right spirit is a broken spirit. I said the only right spirit is a broken spirit. And I got to tell you, wherever God finds a broken spirit, he can renew it by his spirit. Because if he can break my spirit down, <laughs> I said if he can break my humanity down, if he can crucify my flesh, then the Bible says that there's another spirit that can enter into me and that can do away with all the sin and all the wrong and all the mess that I created. He can give me his spirit and his spirit can come and dwell inside of me. And when I've got his spirit, I've got the right spirit. Mm. When I've got his spirit, I've got the right spirit. <laughs> Would you stand with me today? ready to sing a song and given what God has already done in this house this morning I can't imagine that you wouldn't want to run to this altar because God is looking for a people who will be willing to be broken and contrite before him I'm going to open this altar today every head bow and eye closed it's time for some self-examination. God, have I been walking around with the wrong spirit? God, am I representing you in the way that you would want me to represent you? God, have I been a satisfactory ambassador for your kingdom? God, am I running away from you? Am I, am I trying to cover up my tracks? Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you've sinned against God. And it's gnawing at you and it's eating at you. And you say, I don't know how to make that feeling go away, Brother Sizemore. I don't know what to do about it. I've come to tell you that's a wrong spirit in you that God's trying to get rid of. And when he went to a cross and shed his blood, he made a way that your wrong spirit could be eradicated and that a new spirit could come and live inside of you. Oh, I wonder who might be here this morning that would be willing to come to this altar and say, Brother Sizemore, I'm tired of running away from God. I want to run to God. I want to run to the house of the Lord. I want to be saved. I must be saved. Oh, come on. I'm opening up an altar of repentance right now. Come on, as we sing, who will come? Come on, who will surrender? Come on, who will say, God, I want a right spirit. God, I want you to do something in me that I could not do for myself. Come on, run to the altar. Come on, run to the house.
Surrender. Would you surrender? Would you surrender?